Hello ako si Das Kavilan. Kayo ay nakikinig sa bagong Rappler Podcast episode kung saan hihimayin natin ang mga maiinit at mahalagang isyu sa Pilipinas. Ito ang Rappler's News Break Beyond the Stories. Sa episode na to, pag-uusapan natin ang Coast Guard Law ng China at ang implikasyon nito sa tensyon sa South China Sea. Anong epekto ng batas na ito ng China sa pangkaraniwang Pilipino? Anong dapat gawin ng Duterte administration laban dito? Kasama ko ngayon Sofia Tomacruz, Rappler's Foreign Affairs Reporter, para talakayin ang bawat sulok ng isyong ito. Hi Sofia, thank you for joining me today. Hi Judas, thank you for having me. So for my first question, can you tell me about this law? Ano ba yung primary goal ng Chinese Coast Guard law na to? Siguro on the surface level. Right, so yung Chinese Coast Guard law, it was passed in January 22, but it became effective in February 1. On the surface level, the law kind of just seeks to clarify the role of its Coast Guards. But in doing that, it lays the ground of what its Coast Guard can and can't do. So it authorizes the Coast Guard to use all necessary means to stop or prevent threats from foreign vessels. So that means authorizing its Coast Guard to fire on ships of other states that fish or conduct economic activities in waters that it claims. At the same time, the law also allows Coast Guard personnel to demolish other countries' structures built on maritime features like reefs that Beijing claims. And at the same time, the... Law also allows it to basically use force, as it mentioned, all necessary means to enforce for maritime enforcement in waters that it claims. Mm-hmm. So, what was the basis for this? Parang of all the times that they can do this, bakit ngayon? Ano yung rational ng China government tungkol sa pagpasa ng batas nato? Mm-hmm. Well, the law has been deliberated on for a couple of months and one factor that really drove its passage or its basis was because you know, the need to clarify the role of its coast guard and its authority because there have been many movements in the organizational structure of China's maritime enforcement and the different bodies that are part of it so it was kind of in line with that effort to clarify the role of the Chinese coast guard and also define its authorities Mm-mm. And what are critics and analysts are saying about this? Uh, I'm reading some saying that it poses a threat to the Philippines or any other country that is China. I think it's important to note what retired Supreme Court Justice Antonio Carpio has said about the law. In that, because you know not, see Justice Carpio is one of our experts on the West Philippine Sea, which is a part of the South China Sea. So he says that the Chinese Coast Guard law is actually a grave threat to world peace because it violates international law, which mandates that states should settle disputes peacefully and yeah. it cannot resort to armed force to be able to do this, which is something that the Coast Guard law is allowing, yeah. is giving its Coast Guard the authority to do. Justice Carpio pointed out also in another Rappler podcast that armed force is only allowed in self-defense and No domestic law, whether that be China's Coast Guard law or another law implemented by another country, can prevail over international spheres. So it's totally outlawed and you can actually be sanctioned for violating this. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, China has argued no, that it's actually in line with international law because other countries have their own Coast Guard laws that allow its Coast Guard to use force on other foreign vessels in its waters. But I think we have to go back to the fact that Unlike other countries, China is laying claim to virtually the entire South China Sea and also different bodies of water. So 
while other countries have a very specific and lawful claim with, that follows international norms as to the extent of its waters. We, we know that China doesn't really follow that, and that it has a nine-dash line claim that spans virtually the yeah. entire South China Sea, and that it also uh, claims ownership on other bodies of water. So when you go back to its Coast Guard law, in so much as it allows its Coast Guard to use force in waters that it claims, then it virtually exp- yeah. expands to that entire area. Were you even surprised that they did this, like looking back on how they approached the issue of contested waters and pag-claim nila. Were you even surprised that they'll go as to like sobrang intense na they'll use force na? I'm, I wasn't so surprised in the sense that it had been floated and there were deliberations that were taking place over the last few months. But I guess I was just a little bit surprised at how it took shape in the end. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, so like I mentioned, deliberations for the law had started a few months back and it probably thought that or in, in passing the law, it was similar to other countries' Coast Guard laws. But, you know, it's not so surprising in the sense that China doesn't acknowledge, you know, it insists on its claims in the South China Sea and mm-hmm. in different in different bodies of water. So um, in passing that, it just further reinforces uh, their stand on the issue. Actually, Justice Scorpio called it, you know, it's just signaling the hardening of their stance on the South China Sea and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, maritime disputes involving Beijing. Oh, so if we see this law from the point of view, Sigurd, of ordinary Filipinos, like, let's say, fisher folks, mga coastlines, uh, how can they be affected? Like, diba, looking back, sila rin talaga yung pinaka-affected sa aggressions ng China, diba, sa, sa West Philippine Sea. So, mm-hmm. if with this Coast Guard law, ano pa yung implication for them and how parang parang sila may endanger pa dito? Right. So, sila talaga yung isang, I would say, like a frontline group. Because we all know that the people who frequent the waters in the West Philippine Sea and beyond that the most are fishermen. They will also be the ones, some of the people who will be most affected by this. Because, like we mentioned earlier, China claims virtually the entire South China Sea, right? And so with this law, their Coast Guard is enforcing those maritime claims. And what happens when a Coast Guard ship comes into contact with Filipino fishermen's vessel? You don't even have to imagine it. We've all seen so many photos of what a Chinese Coast Guard ship looks like, the white ships, and how they're big in the background and you see our the ship of the Filipino fishermen. It's a wooden boat. It's no match for those Chinese Coast Guard ships. And so if it blocks, let's say, Filipino fishermen from entering Scarborough Shoal or from fishing in certain areas, Filipino fishermen have no choice but to yield because, uh, you know, just by sheer size and sheer might, they, they're no match for the Chinese Coast Guard ship. That's one concrete way that Filipinos are actually affected. It may limit access to common fishing grounds like Scarborough Shoal. And in a broader sense as well, Defense Secretary Delphine Lorenzana has also mentioned that the Coast Guard law can increase the chances of miscalculation in an accidents in the South China Sea because now that the Coast Guard of Beijing is allo- of China is allowed to fire on foreign vessels because the space for that is so big and you know there are so many different claimants to uh, the area. There are a lot of naval ships, there are a lot of Coast Guard ships passing through, you know, seeking to reinforce each country's claims, then it really increases the risk for miscalculation because you have that very aggressive, you have that law 
and we have China's Coast Guard, which we know is aggressive in, in enforcing its claims. Yeah. So given those dangers now, very uh, possibly it can happen because based on what happened in the past also, diba? Given that, what's the sign of, ano yung stand on Duterte government regarding itong batas na to? Ano yung parang statements na nilalabas nila? Or yung approach? Right. Right. So, see si Foreign Secretary Teddy Loxin. Initially, when the law came out, he said that the passage of China's law, China's passage of its law was none of our business because each country has the prerogative to pass its own legislation. Mm-hmm. But a few days after, he said that after reflecting on the issue deeper, he decided to file a, diplomat- a diplomatic protest. And that was because he said that the law could actually be seen as a verbal threat of war to countries that did not follow it. Mm-hmm. Precisely considering the fact that it involves contested waters in the South China Sea. Mm-hmm. So I'll just read a quote from what he said when he announced that he filed that diplomatic protest. So Loxin said, After reflection, I fired a diplomatic protest. While enacting law is a sovereign prerogative, this one, given the area involved, or for that matter, the open South China Sea, is a verbal threat of war to any country that defies the law, which, if unchallenged, is submission to it. Mm. So... Right, so he was saying that it's basically a verbal threat of war because yeah, it involves the South China Sea and there's so many different claimants. And so uh, if you don't follow it, because it's threatening to use force, it's almost like they're also threatening war. Yeah. And it must be challenged because like he mentions a lot in, in fighting these diplomatic protests um, and explaining them. He says it has to be challenged or else if you're quiet, then it means you have submitted to it. So, can you please remind our listeners, siguro muna, ano ba yung diplomatic protest and ano yung pwede nitong i-achieve? Right, so, diplomatic protests, let's take the example of diplomatic protests that the Philippines has filed against China. Hmm. So, a lot of the times, it involves transgressions in the West Philippine Sea, whether that would be the Chinese Coast Guard blocking Filipino fishermen's access to Scarborough Shoal, or if it's them setting up districts in the South China Sea to, again, assert its claims. The Philippines will file a diplomatic protest because when it involves the West Philippine Sea, then you're violating Filipino sovereign rights. And us filing a diplomatic protest is our way of reinforcing the fact that we have sovereign rights in the West Philippine Sea or in that area. And at the same time, it's also us registering our opposition to what action has been taken against us. So okay. it's important for those protests to be filed. Those become part of international norm, right? So if you don't file a protest, then it could also be taken as you submitting to what they did or you accepting actions that would otherwise impinge on Filipinas' rights. But are diplomatic protests the only way you think that could address this issue with the Coast Guard law? What are analysis or what are critics or maybe the experts saying what the mm-hmm. Philippines can do to parang to effectively or mas maharden yung stance nila against this law? Right. So actually, see si Justice Carpio, who was instrumental in our victory against China at The Hague in 2016, he said that the Philippines can actually and should actually start preparing for an arbitration case if a violation occurs in the West Philippine Sea due to the, the Chinese Coast Guard law. And in the same way that the Philippines can do that, if a similar, because 
the South China Sea dispute doesn't only involve the Philippines, it also involves other Southeast Asian countries like Malaysia and Vietnam. Mm. The Philippines can actually work with the Southeast Asian countries to, you know, challenge the law and raise it at the United Nations Tribunal. And precisely because of the fact that it is a threat to world peace because it goes against international law that outlaws the use of force as a way to settle disputes. Because the UN Charter has mandated that that's not allowed in international law that you need to settle disputes peacefully. So what's keeping the government from following what Justice Scorpio, an expert on West Philippine Sea, from like following what he recommended or pushed the government to do? Mm -mm. So at least with respect to Justice Scorpio's suggestion to raise the issue at the UN tribunal with other Southeast Asian countries, Secretary Loxin was saying that he he doesn't want to do that because he doesn't want to the same reason why he didn't want to raise the Hague ruling at the UN General Assembly okay. um, and put it to a vote there because he thinks that the Philippines, it won't win in a numbers game against China because there are a lot of member countries of the United Nations that benefit from developmental aid that China gives them. And to put it forward at the UN might be opening the risk of relitigating the Hague ruling, which we already won. So he has always repeated time and time again that he doesn't want to be known as the person who would lose the Hague ruling or he doesn't want to risk the Hague ruling and bring it up at the UN. And even if this doesn't exactly pertain to the Hague ruling, and, and Justice Scrappy has mentioned um, challenging the Chinese Coast Guard law in particular, it's the same rationale. He used the same rationale that there are a lot of member countries that would vote in favor of China and that we wouldn't gain enough support to challenge China if we were to do that. But how about ASEAN? Like, of course, hindi rin naman yung Philippines no affected nitong batas na to. Kasi di ba marami rin sa ASEAN ang nag-claim ng, uh, nag-claim sa parts ng Ch- South China Sea. So, how are they approaching this new law ng Coast Guard? Ano yung mga ginawa nila? And, would you say na it is along the lines of what the Philippine government is doing? Right. So, other Southeast Asian countries, particularly Vietnam, has also called out the Chinese, has also registered its uh, opposition has called out China's new Coast Guard law. So they were saying that they also protested it. And its foreign ministry said that it called on China to abide by international law and the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea or UNCLOS. So it called China out on the issue. And similar approaches were also taken by other Southeast Asian countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you say, na given that almost the same way as what the Philippine government did, or would you say na must may pangil or mas stronger yung ginawa ng other Southeast Asian countries? So, on the part of Vietnam, for example, it was similar in, in the way that it called out China's Coast Guard law. And then they also said, of course, that they will take measures in accordance with international law to defend its rights in its own territory, in the exclusive economic zone. So, while, for example, for the Philippines, Secretary Loxin has always mentioned that he would invoke the mutual defense treaty that we have with the U.S. But he didn't explicitly say that anymore, although it's always been something that he mentions time and time again in his Twitter feed. Like, if anything was were to happen in the West Philippine Sea, an attack would happen there, then he would call on the U.S. and invoke the mutual defense treaty. Yeah. So, from what you're saying, parang Coast Guard law feels like this Pandora's box na if mag-open, parang magi open season for dangerous things to happen, uh, not just against Filipinos, but also other countries. But before we dive into this issue more, let's take a short break and listen to some rapper podcast overviews. The next time, wag ninyo akong parigin-rigin ng revolution. 
Naku, Diyos ko. Yan ang di mas delikado sa COVID. Eh, kung magrevolusyon kayo, you will give me the free ticket to stage a counter-revolution. How I wish you would do it. Don't understand what President Rodrigo Duterte is saying? Want to know the story behind his words? Listen to Seat of Power, Rappler's political podcast about the Duterte presidency. Hosted by me, P. Renada, Rappler's Malacanang beat reporter. I mean, a lot of people, well, not much for a lot, but I know that there are some people who would happily use I'm polyamorous label to basically justify anything, mm-hmm. to justify sleeping around, to justify not committing, but that flies in the face naman of how we see it. It's my choice not to be a mother, but I'm not, it's not dissing on, mothers, dissing yeah. on motherhood, uh, on parenthood. It's like a purely person-to-person basis. Uh-oh. I'm Marguerite Leon, host of Rappler's I've Got an Opinion, where I speak to ordinary people who have a lot to say about extraordinary issues. Listen in every other Wednesday at 8pm on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Hi, welcome back to Newsbreak Beyond the Stories. I am Judas Gavilat and we're here with Sofia Tomacruz. We've been discussing the Coast Guard Law of China and kung ano ang implication ito sa bansa. So, Sofia, I wanted to ask na, bakit nga ba ayaw gawin ng government yung mga suggestions ni Justice Scorpio or ng other analysts or take a stronger stance against China? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, for example, for Secretary Lockson and the DFA, they think that they are already taking a tough stand by issuing protests and by saying strong words, strong statements. Because, for example, the suggestion to challenge the Chinese Coast Guard law at the UN, they're saying that in practice at the UN, Lockson specifically said Chinese diplomacy has been very effective in most of the members of the United Nations. And I'm not going to throw our victory into that and let them decide. In the sense of taking further concrete action against that, I think that it's too high of a risk that they think that they're taking. Although, of course, we know that, for example, other experts and other people we've spoken to, like former Foreign Secretary Albert Del Rosario has mentioned, it's not entirely impossible because there have been instances where the UN members have sided with smaller countries uh-huh. like Nicaragua versus the United States uh-huh. to enforce a ruling that they also won against the United States. Uh-huh. Although for the VFA now and for Secretary Loxin, they think that protests are enough because it registers for opposition, it doesn't uh-huh. see the Philippines submitting to anything and they always justify it by saying there's a lot going on behind the scenes uh-huh. and a lot of negotiations and and talk going on behind the scenes. And at least when it comes to China, they always say that the country takes, compartmentalizes its approach to China in the sense that we issue strong statements and protests where we have disagreements, but in issues where it can cooperate, then they will always push forward with that. But you mga strong words and protests against China? Or you covered China for a long time. Uh, wala na bang paraan para mag-change your mind in China regarding dito sa issues ng maybe beyond the Coast Guard law but also the, the issues on the South China Sea? Actually, interesting din yung tanong na yun kasi it makes me remember what former Philippine ambassador to the U.S. Rural Rabbi mentioned mentioned in an interview that we had with him for the Philippines relations with the United States under the Biden administration. And of wow. course, one one issue, one question that was raised there was, you know, like how is our standing right now after almost five years, almost five years now of being under the Duterte government where he, where the president lashes out a lot at the United States and made a lot of statements in favor of China. He was saying that the statements may seem shocking, of course, and everything, but it's actually landed us in a strategic position where China sees us as somebody it can work with. 
and it doesn't do a lot of use to belabor whether or not it was calculated or uncalculated, if there's actually a very planned effort on the part of government, but it has presented opportunities. And so what will matter is if we can actually make the most of the opportunities it presents us by making the most of our relations with China or reaping cooperation where we can. Mm-mm. And so in terms of whether or not it actually works, I think it also it will also really depend on whether or not we can take opportunities presented to us, like the oil and gas deal, mm-hmm. you know, making China deliver in its economic promises, because right now a lot of those economic promises haven't been fulfilled. So it has given us a lot of opportunities, but whether or not it will actually work in the end, it will also still depend on us making sure that, you know, there's follow through. Yeah. And then for my next question, Sophie, I wanted to look at the bigger picture, like Siguro in the past five years. Bakit ba minsan parang iba yung approach ng presidente and sa foreign secretary natin? Pagdating sa China, when you go to the Twitter account of foreign secretary Loxin, mas matapang siya doon, di ba? And then when you hear the president talking about China sa mga public speeches niya, very soft, very takot, parang naka-better word, takot siya. Bakit ganun? Mm-hmm. Eh di ba dapat parang since they're under the same administration, the Loxinas, sa wordinitya ni Presidente, bakit ganun yung disconnect? Well, actually, yun din talaga yung frustration, no, ng maraming um, like, analysts and experts na the the strong stand taken by the Department of Foreign Affairs can be undone by yeah. the words of the President in Malacanang because um, while the DFA is the agency in charge of our foreign affairs, the President is still the chief architect of foreign policy, right? Yeah. And, of course, to take precedent over Foreign Secretary's statement on whatever issue is at hand. So, well, in terms of why the approach is different, well, I think it goes back to the fact that there's no long-term policy. It's Mm -hmm. always changes from administration to administration, whether or not, of course, there are things that are non-negotiable, like our Filipinos' rights in the West Philippine Sea and everything. And I think we can rely on our diplomats and our foreign service officers to always have the interests of the Philippines in mind. You know, when it comes to, like we mentioned, the president is still the chief architect of foreign policy. And so, because those there's no long-term policy and can change from administration to administration, that's why there's a disconnect. Yeah. And then my next question, given I already uh, implemented the very one deba. What do you think you immediate now worst thing that can happen in the coming weeks, months? Mm-mm. I think the worst that can happen is actually an armed force actually being used against our Filipino fishermen or an untoward incident happening in the West Philippine Sea in Philippine waters because Secretary Loxon already mentioned that it's a verbal threat of war. Yeah. If action is taken, then following that logic, war might ensue. Of course, knock on wood, we don't want that to happen. Even Defense Secretary Lerndam has acknowledged that risk of miscalculation happening in the already very volatile maritime area. And so I think the worst that can happen is for armed force to actually be used and for the law to be implemented in a way that's very harmful for our Filipino fishermen. Because if we go back to them, can you just imagine that, you know, Filipino fishermen in their wooden bunkas are just going to the high seas in the yeah. and, and the West Philippine Sea to make a living? And they can't do that because they're being blocked from actually fishing in certain areas. That's their livelihood, right? And 
lalo na under this pandemic, so many people have been stripped of their livelihoods yeah. and it's been so hard to make a living and just survive. And so to have fishermen, for example, go out there and already risk their lives because fishing isn't an easy job and then to have that additional threat, that's something in my head that would be like the worst thing to happen, yeah. that something would happen to Filipino fishermen in those waters and they wouldn't have anything to defend themselves. There would be nothing for them to use to defend themselves and they would be caught in this whole dilemma. And parang if you think about it, like, there's off chance na ma-apektuhan sila or makapag-confrontation sila with the Chinese Coast Guard and yun nga, may mangyari sa kanila. Parang ang hirap na umasa na tutulungan sila ng government kasi given yung tinginawa ng government sa mga ibang fishermen na naapektuhan na ng previous aggressions ng Chinese Coast Guard, di ba? Parang it took a long while na parang makuha nila yung necessary help from the government mm-hmm. mo. Yeah, well, you just remember yung Jeffrey Fisherman, yeah. diba? Oh. So, given that nga, na yung worst thing that could happen, parang beyond like filing diplomatic protests, parang how can the government, in their own way, do something to prevent this from happening uh, on their own citizens, on their own Filipino fishermen? Like, ano yung mga small ways pa na dapat na i-prioritize, siguro? Well, I think, for example, they can, I mean, one concrete way would be to to make sure, for example, if we're thinking about Filipino fishermen, yeah. right, in line with protecting them and also protecting our waters and enforcing our rights in our in our own waters, it would be one concrete way to, to prevent an untoward incident from happening is to also conduct more patrols mm-hmm. so that, you know, we have presence in those waters when Filipino fishermen go out into the West Philippine Sea or beyond. There's somebody that they know is there to protect them. And at the same time, it should work with other ASEAN countries as well mm-hmm. to, I mean, if they can come up with, like Carpio suggested, right? If they can come up with even talking about protecting their claims, right? Outside the Chinese Coast Guard law, there have been so many suggestions that Carpio and other experts have made that in way in which uh, uh, Southeast Asian nations can take to protect their rights also mm-hmm. and, and deter aggression against China, whether that be reinforcing the Hague ruling or coming up with separate agreements that will, you know, spell out the playbook of rules by which they'll operate. And in doing that, of course, if they can agree with one another, for example, in defining the limits of their extended continental shelves or deciding what playbook or what rules by which they operate in the South China Sea, then if everyone is following and China is the only outlier, then, well, it might force them to comply or it will at least yeah. outnumber China, you know, in the area. And for my last question, ano yung dapat abangan ng mga Filipino developments in the coming months? Ano yung bar na mo na what should they watch out for? Ano yung kailangan tuunan ng pansin pagdating sa issue na to? Right. I think two things to watch out for would be talks on the South China Sea Code of Conduct, which mm-hmm. ASEAN has said that they wanted to take up again this year after delays because of the pandemic. So whether what that might look like now, because there's this new factor with the Chinese Coast Guard law uh, coming into effect. And also at the same time, our oil and gas cooperation with China, whether or not it will actually push through, or if it doesn't push through, if it will be because of the Chinese Coast Guard law. Aside from the oil and gas cooperation deal with China, also our own oil and gas activities in the West Philippine Sea that don't involve them. Because 
kung naalala mo, diba, we tried to list the moratorium on oil and gas exploration mm-hmm. and, and activities in the West Philippine Sea. So uh-huh. that's also one thing to watch out for because as we've seen in the example of Malaysia and Vietnam, when they try to do their own economic activities in their own waters, Chinese Coast Guard always show up to prevent them from doing it because they're saying that they're they're conducting activities in Chinese waters. So let's see if that actually happens to us yeah. as well because that would be a, a violation. In the case of the Philippines, we have the Hague ruling to back us up. Yeah. So on that note, abangan natin kung the Duterte government will continue to assert whatever it needs to assert in the face of this very dangerous law as you explained it. No? Thank you, Sophia, for joining me today and for explaining the details of this law and yung mga nuances niya and yung possible effect niya, not just in the international law, but also in the ordinary fishermen, mga Pilipino na directly maapektuhan ng batas na to. Yes, thank you for having me, Judas. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you would like to be updated on this and other issues, huwag kalimutan na i-follow ang Rapper Newsbreak sa Facebook, pati na rin sa Twitter. Kung gusto mo naman na access to exclusive content and events, pwede ka sumali sa Rapper Plus. Pwede ka sumali by visiting rapper.com slash plus. Kung meron ka namang gusto na topic na you think we should discuss in our podcast, you can email us at investigative at rapper.com. Again, I'm Jodas Cavillan and this is Newsbreak Beyond the Stories.